Don Arnold is the chair of the Fry Festival. It's currently in its 10th year, located in Moncton, New Brunswick. Welcome to the Bibliophile. Thank you. I assume that the festival is, like most other writers' festivals, your goal is to get some of the more interesting Canadian and international scholars and writers together to talk all things fry. Well, yes and no. Um, it's it's bilingual. It's Canada's only bilingual international literary festival. So fry is a component, but um, fry doesn't have the same sort of appeal within the francophone community. They don't know him. That being said, we've attracted some very uh, high-level uh, French academics who were coerced into coming because of Fry. I mean, he, his name opens a lot of doors. Right. Richard Ford, last year we had Richard Ford here because mm-hmm. of the esteem which he holds Martha Fry, and he uses him in his creative writing classes. So we said, oh, anything that has to do with Martha Fry, I'm in. In, in the educated imagination, Fry talks about the importance of young people learning another language. He does. He talks a lot about the importance of playing languages against each other and how in language we we often don't even realize what we're saying. The language goes along the same old cycles and it's only when you have a second language to play against that first language that you can really get to the essence of what you're trying to talk about. And I think that was definitely informed during his, his youth here in Moncton. Here he says, Nearly everyone does enough talking at least to become fairly fluent in his own language. And at that point, there's always the danger of automatic fluency, turning on a tap and letting a lot of platitudinous bumble emerge. The best check on this so far discovered is some knowledge of other languages where at least the bumble has to fit into a different set of grammatical grooves. That's what we do, that's what we embrace here, is, is that bilingual aspect. The festival, all events are bilingual. So you have a, a scholarly focus, uh, but you also have a um, student we, outreach. Yeah, definitely. There are more than 10,000 kids get to meet with authors in the classrooms, auditoriums, libraries, over the course of each festival. And it's a 10-day festival? It's, this year it's 10 days, it's our 10th anniversary. Normally it's about 5 days. But um, New Brunswick has one of the highest illiteracy rates in the country. 60 to 68% of the citizens of New Brunswick cannot read beyond a grade 4 level. You know, it's interesting. I uh, take uh, photographs of uh, bookstores as a sort of an insane hobby. I was just in Quebec City and was w- within walking distance of the hotel. I found probably seven or eight. Uh, I come into New Brunswick and uh, go to Edmonston and find one, and the guy says, this is probably the only bookstore you're going to find in the northern half of the province. Yeah. Which, interestingly, is one of the sort of criteria that's used by uh, various academics to judge the literacy or most literate cities in the United States. There was a study done recently, and that was one of the criteria. Wow, yeah, we wouldn't fare very well on that. When I moved here 11 years ago, there was no bookshop. I went to Fredericton to buy my books. So part of this, then, is a literacy-building exercise. Yeah, I mean, we're not teaching kids to read. That's not our role. But to 
get them excited about words, to put them in contact with the word experts, the people who spend their lives working with words. And, you know, after 10 years, we're starting to see the legacy of that. We're seeing kids that they all know about the Fry Festival events now and are, are events in which they perform their own works because in addition to the school visits, we also have this whole other section where it's kids from kindergarten right to grade 12 and they perform their own poetry, prose, songwriting, and all kinds of really professionally run events so that they can be empowered because in our community... Uh, you get medals and trophies every time you score a goal in hockey, but uh, our creative kids aren't. So it's part of what we're trying to do is change attitudes toward creative, creativity and being critical thinking and being able to read and write and be literate. So by doing this, by empowering kids in this way, we, we believe we're making a difference. That's interesting because, again, uh, quoting Fry here, uh he talks about the importance of young people actually uh, writing themselves as well as reading. Mm-hmm. Getting the student to write himself. No matter how little of this he does, he's bound to have the experience sooner or later of feeling he's said something that he can't explain except in exactly the same way that he said it. That should help to make him more tolerant about difficulties he encounters in his reading, although the benefits of trying to express oneself in different literary ways naturally extend a lot further than mere tolerance. So it's interesting how sometimes you don't even know what you've just written. Mm -mm. But by reading, I mean, that is the role of the artist in our society, is to make the world, to articulate the world for us. And so by reading more, they get that exposure, and they get that exposure to the unreal, to to play the real against the unreal and put themselves into situations that they, they couldn't possibly be in any other way. And that's, that's mm-hmm. the role of literature. It's, it's partly an escape, but it's also a way of putting yourself in someone else's shoes. Mm-hmm. Let's, I'll just give a, read another quote here. It's important, too, that everything that has a story, such as a myth, should be read or listened to purely as a story. Many people grow up without really understanding the difference between imaginative and discursive writing. On the rare occasions when they encounter poems or even pictures, they treat them exactly as though they were intended to be pieces of more or less disguised information. Their questions are all based on this assumption. What is he trying to get across? What am I supposed to think of it? What am I supposed to get out of it? Why doesn't somebody explain it to me? Why couldn't he have written it in a different way so I could understand him? The art of listening to stories is a basic training for the imagination. You don't start arguing with the writer. You accept his postulates, even if he tells you that the cow jumped over the moon and you don't react until you've taken it all in. You've taken in all what he has to say. There. He's brilliant, huh? And he's writing in a fairly simplistic way too, which is which is great. This is a lecture. This is a lecture for from and it's part of the CBC Matthew lectures. And I think he's teaching with this. If Bertrand Russell is right in saying that suspension of judgment is one of the essential operations of the mind, the benefits of learning to do this go far beyond literature, and even then, 
what you react to is the total structure of the story as a whole, not to some message or moral or great thought that you can snatch out of it and run away with. Imagination looms large in your literature. Mm-hmm. In fact, I noticed one of the sessions, it's, it's entitled The Educated Imagination. So what, what, are, you, what are you trying to, to get at? Uh, well, I, I suppose part of it is, you know, as far as says right at the very beginning, you know, the simplest questions are not only the hardest to answer, but the more important to ask. And what are we trying to get at through this, through imagination? Well, I just think it's fundamental in our society. We have to, we have to use our imaginations. I mean, it's our brain, it's that critical thinking that it has to be exercised. It has to do to be able to envision a world that uh, we would like to see. Maybe it's not the world we have right now, but if we don't use our imaginations to envision that world, how is it to come about? Mm. You think that was his one of his main messages? Oh, I do. Messages? I do, I do mm-hmm. believe that, yeah. I think he, he talks too about uh, Shakespeare at some point. He's talking about King Lear where uh, Gloucester's eyes are uh, put out on the stage. What the imagination suggests is horror, not the paralyzing, sickening horror of a real blinding scene, but an exuberant horror full of the energy of repudiation. This is as powerful a rendering as we can ever get of life, as we don't want it. What an easy way to get it, though, for literature. It's almost, I've read elsewhere that this is, the literature is sort of a, it's like a trial run. Like you can put yourself into all sorts of different situations that could be dangerous, but it allows your mind to sort of play out all the different things that you might, how you might react and what you might do and to save yourself or... Yeah, trial run is a great, that's a great Sort of a Darwinian, mm-hmm. the, the people with the best, the best imaginations are the ones that, that, that survive. So you're uh, you're you're helping the species to survive here, then. I'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the, I think that all of us that work on it, I think I think that's why we do it. I mean, people ask us that, and we don't really have an articulate answer for it. But but yeah, I I, I would like to think that that's a part of it for sure. And Moncton, he spent some formative years growing up here. He spent the time from 7 until he was 17, and he formed ideas that he went on to explore the rest of his career. There's a great quote, I think it's in Robert Denham, he's a Fry scholar, he's been here many times, and um, there's a quote from one of uh, Fry's diaries, because he's a big diary Mm. keeper and letter writer, and he talks about being 16 and riding his bike along St. George Boulevard here in Moncton, and he said... Uh, he remembers that that, I quote, whole shitty and stinky cloak of fundamentalist thinking just dropped into the gutter. And, I mean, he had had a very, very um, straight-laced, um, poor, but very religious upbringing. Strict, yeah. Very strict. Wasn't he con- considering going into the... He actually was an ordained, yeah, ordained United Church yeah. minister. Mm-hmm. But he questioned it, always trying to get to the essence of life of the world and trying to make sense out of it all and that's all because you lived in Moncton I like to believe that yeah (laughs) well (laughs) it had a pretty profound effect on him although that being said he did leave when he won a typing contest because typing was a spectator sport 
uh, went to Toronto and really never came back until the year before he died. <laughs> That's not entirely true, but he he didn't have a lot of respect for for the Moncton that was here then. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there was no library, there was no theater, there was there was very little here. Well, not to be too uh, nasty about it, I've spent the last three quarters of an hour driving around and. There's a lot of uh, erotic night clubs. Not not that there's anything wrong with that, but not too many bookshops. No, there aren't a lot of bookshops. Uh, but there are a lot of artists. There are a lot of artists, and Acadie lives here. I mean, the the Acadian artists. It's it's a very very vibrant community here. Yeah. Um, from theater, visual arts, um, literature. It's it's this is where it's happening, and that that is alive. Mm-hmm. Well, and didn't Yates say something about uh, um, sex and death being the only topics that really serious poets and artists think about? Perhaps. So it's quite a thriving place to live in then. It's, uh, well, it's, it's the, the two cultures um, yes. living in a very harmonious way definitely adds to the... Um, vibrancy of of the city for sure. Mm-hmm. It's small. I get urbanemic and do need to go to a large city on occasion, but it's it's a great place to raise a family. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah, uh, it's safe. My kids walk to school. You know, mm-hmm. and the, and the cost of living is pretty decent. Mm-hmm. And they they have access to two cultures and two languages. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, New Brunswick is, is it the only officially bilingual province. Yeah. So, ten years. Yeah. What about the next ten years? Oh, I don't know. I, I We would love to establish, I know everyone has literary prizes, but we would really like to have a unique international literary prize associated with the festival. That's sort of my goal for the next few years, mm-hmm. to get something like that going. Something that is based on Fry, something that is about, you know, literature and tolerance and building that sort of um, utopic world that we can envision through literature. Wouldn't it be great to have a literary critics prize? Yes, that's a great idea. The National Book Critics Circle has one. But I don't think there's a whole heck of a lot of them out there. That's a really interesting idea. And he was one of the greatest literary critics of all Makes time. Makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a great idea. Because it's becoming sort of a lost art, too, huh? Like, even the basic of, you know, book reviews and that sort of thing, there's yeah. so little. The space devoted, at least in print publications, newspapers, is shrinking. But there's, there's a lot of good criticism being written. Mm-hmm. Out in the various blogs, but you have to sort of search them out. He's certainly one of the 20th century's greatest literary critics in the handful of the best known, most renowned Canadians mm-hmm. of the 20th century. Yeah. So, putting together a, a, some sort of a, a prize, what else? Continuing to give our students the greatest access to literary minds, definitely. That's more of a local ambition, yeah. then. Yeah, we don't we don't have really grandiose ambitions for this festival. No, <laughs> we, we don't. don't have to really. No, 
bringing really terrific authors here and, and, and bringing them together. I mean, uh, bringing French and English authors together, it's, it's amazing the synchronicities that take place over 10 years. Like, the stories are unbelievable of the people that have met here that had, would never have met otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. These are very, very few opportunities. Although I'd like to think that there aren't the two solitudes, and there aren't in Moncton. I mean, everybody, we have to work together. I mm. mean, there aren't the silos here that there are in a lot of larger cities. Like visual artists work with poets, work with dancers. I mean, all, all, and, and that's the synchronicities that come about through that are brilliant. One of the saddest things about about Canada, I think, is this disconnect. There, there really is a disconnect. But someone who's well versed in Canadian, in English Canadian literature, doesn't really have a clue beyond the names of a few. Mm-hmm. Antonine Maillet, yeah. who's going to be here this, yes, this year. Yes, yes. She's actually from Batu. She's from New Brunswick. Uh, yeah, she's Acadian. She won the Prix Goncourt, which is, you know, the biggest In French. French. Yeah, I mean, our lieutenant governor, Emmanuel Gilles Chiasson, great poet, visual artist, filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a beautiful poet. If he'll be here. He's going to actually be interviewing John Boston Saul. You know, France Degg has a new big novel coming out. She's a great Moncton-based writer. There are a lot, and there are a lot of young Acadian writers that, you know, have a few more years to put in before they've got that oof. But again, with, with Quebec uh, writers, do you, do you get the best? Do you get Michel Tremblay, for example? or? Oh, we, we would love to have Michel Tremblay. We've asked him many times, but he stays in Florida. He's sort of like Stephen King. They stay in the warm places. What about uh, so? What about some of the other big names? Marie-Claire Blay has been here. Okay. Um, she lives in Florida, too. We've had all kinds. Pretty much everyone in Quebec literature has been through at Denis Laferriere, Stanley Pion, all kinds of great um, Quebecois authors. Who else? Uh, Arlette Custure, she was here last year. Neil Busunda, who works in, at the University of Quebec. But yeah, we've had an amazing children's writers out of Quebec, actually. Really, really great. We have François Cravel, um, Alain M. Bergeron. Joanne Mercier, like these, they're, they're big names in, in children's publishing in French, and they're all coming here this year. So oh, that's great. great. Yeah. Oh, so there'll be a, not a focus on children's literature. Well, we always have children's English. authors, yeah. yeah. Okay. But we, we send the adult authors into high schools. Mm. That's a big part of it, and that's fairly unique, too. That's yeah. not something that goes on at all literary festivals. Almost every author does it. I mean, some don't. Some yeah. just say, you know, I'm terrified of teenagers. <laughs> I don't want to do that again. Mm-hmm. But most of them do, and most of them really enjoy the experience. Okay, what else do you want to say about the festival? Hmm. Well, um, this is a series. We we started um, th- three years ago doing something called the Antony Maillet Northrop Fry Lecture. And uh, we've now had um, lectures delivered and published, published bilingually by Neil Basunda, David Adams Richards, and Alberto Manguel. And this year, um, it's a, a Quebecois academic by the name of Monique LaRue that will be delivering. What's she going to talk about? It's entitled Between Two Books, The Writer's Time. Do they riff off anything that Fry has written? Often, yeah, that's a starting point often for... Do you, do you guide them in any way, or...? Well, it depends. Uh, David Adams Richards, he had something that was very important to him that well, he needed to get off his chest, I believe, and that's what, you know, that was his lecture. Alberto what, what did he need to get off his chest? 
being an outsider in the literary world. That's actually typically Canadian to feel that way, <laughs> because there does seem to be a certainly a Toronto-centric domination. It seems mm-hmm. at least everybody mm-hmm. doesn't <laughs> doesn't live in Toronto. Is that was that part of it? We talk a lot about identity, or have in the past, and I know that um, when Antonin Maillet and uh, John Ralston Saul get together, and they will on stage, because they kind of planted the seeds for the festival. It was about 12 years ago when uh, John Ralston Saul was here, and um, he was actually delivering a Vision TV lecture with Antonin Maillet on you know, the role of the artist in a community. He toured the Aberdeen Cultural Centre, which was Northrop Frye's high school, and he said, Oh, you know, you should really do something to celebrate this famous guy who, you know, mm. spent a number of years in your town, mm. and that was sort of the seed. So I think that when he and Antonin Maillet get back together again on stage, I believe that they will be talking about Acadie through the eyes of Canadians and Canadians through the eyes of Acadie. I mean, John Wilson Saul's latest book on Canada. He talks a lot about the Acadians and mm. their their successful integration into Canadian society mm-hmm. from a historical perspective. We um, have a lot of different events, uh, obviously bilingual, but not uh, exclusively so. We have whenever we have a roundtable, you know, on a certain subject, you know, how real is your fiction, and you know, the difference between reality and fiction, and where your ideas come from. We've had lots of roundtables on identity and all that kind of thing. Mm. They're um, completely bilingual, but we do a lot more um, dialogues now, where um, two authors sit in discussion, and um, people seem to really like that a lot. You know, talking about a variety of different topics. Sometimes they're just intimate conversations that a public gets access to. And mm-hmm. I really enjoy that. Just was musing on um, the fact that uh, twenty thousand Canadians spent about seventy dollars each to witness two very mediocre hockey teams, the Ottawa Senators and the Tampa Bay Lightning. I was at that game. This was mediocre entertainment, and yet they all seemed pretty happy. And what does it cost to go and attend one, uh, a discussion between two? Often they're two free. <laughs> Sometimes that, $5. Someone suggested that maybe that if we advertise the fact that uh, authors might start fighting. <laughs> that it would be a blood sport, perhaps. That yeah. we might get a bit more. But the thrill that you can get from from the exchange of sharp dialogue and You're ideas. You're changed by it. You're changed. Yeah. You come out a different person. You're thinking in a new way. Yeah. That doesn't happen at a hockey game very often. Uh, you can't really bang someone over the head no. to convince them that this is something that's that's just as interesting and more stimulating. No, you can't. You know, so you, what, you uh, get your, your low-hanging fruit. <laughs> you get the people that are already converts. Right. You hope that we always say we just got to get them once to come to a festival event, mm-hmm. and they do. And then they, they are enriched by it, and they tell their friends, and they come back. And it builds, but it's been 10 years of building. And I believe we have a finite audience here, too. You know, I, I don't yeah. believe that we're going to be competing with the Monster Truck Show, which goes on the same weekend. You know, I think they are different audiences. So it is probably... Maybe you should get an author in a monster truck. That could work, huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some blood. We do need yeah. some sort of gore. But you've gone from, what, four to 16,000 or something like that, yeah. annual attendance? Mm-hmm. Which is pretty great for... Uh, it is really great. Like Moncton. Mm-hmm. And well, being out of the way, the, 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 the way that it is out of the way. 
Well, it's it's not out of the way within the region. I mean, it is no, still kind of sort central. of a hub. Yeah. So uh, within the region, you know, people do come from all over. Mm-hmm. But no. The, we do have a volunteer, for example, that comes from Montreal every year. She takes a week off her okay. job to come and volunteer at the festival. And, and I'm finding that there is more of that, that sort of literary tourism, because people can get up close and personal with the authors here. It's not, you know, like the... Toronto International Film or International right? Festival of Authors. International yeah. IFO. Um, because, you know, you've got a little speck on the stage. Here, you know, Alistair McLeod is here and you can chat with him afterwards and say, Hey, do you want to read my manuscript if I buy you a beer? <laughs> you know, that sort of thing, you know, you know, you don't get that at the really large festivals. It's very intimate here. And so increasingly we're seeing people traveling from all over North America to come here. The, the bilingual aspect, for sure, is, a, is a, a draw as well. When is it taking place again? April 17th until the 26th. In Moncton? Yes. New Brunswick? Exactly. Canada. Great. Well, thanks very much for uh, letting us know what you're about, and hopefully uh, this year I'll be as successful as, as ever. Oh, thank you. I've been speaking to Dawn Arnold. Great name for someone who's involved in literature. <laughs> She has been the chair of the Fry Festival for the last eight years. Thanks again.